0: It's Jim Paff, and welcome back to the Against Nice podcast, where we believe that nice people are the cruelest of all people because they're subjective and selfish in the way that they address society. Kind people have the interests of others in mind, but they speak truth into society. Follow us on iTunes, give us a five-star rating, and also uh, give us your review of the podcast. You can also follow us on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeart Radio, and many other podcasting apps. Now let's get to the show. We're going to pick up on the what I think is the biggest story of the year so far. I predict it'll be the biggest story, and that's what's going on with Facebook. You know that Facebook went down yesterday, if, if you use it. If not, it was down for, I think, nearly seven hours, right around seven hours. The day after a 60 Minutes interview with a Google, uh, f- excuse me, a Facebook whistleblower. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over that 60 Minutes interview because I think the message here, I think what we need to understand with this Facebook thing, and that's why we need to flesh it out, this is an extended attack on you. And in part, it's an attack on Donald Trump, but it's, it's an attack on you. It's an attack on liberty. I am no fan of Facebook, and I think that they have been acting absurdly but when you get into this you're going to figure out why that's the case. I have no fondness for Facebook. But this is really what what you're going to hear is really about you. They have and it proves that they have no intention of shutting down leftist communist demonstrations and ideas and violence. They have no they have no intention of shutting that down they do have an intention of making it seem like it's you that's doing the violence and not BLM and Antifa. And I think that's what's behind this Facebook story. Hi, this is Jim Paff. If you like the content that you see here, please like and subscribe to our channel. And be sure to follow us at politicsisntnice.com. You can also go to locatejim.com. Thank you. Facebook is is really not well organized in how they approach their business. They've got it. They got it so easy because it's a platform where everybody pretty much, you know, I mean, they're on there to do what they want to do and connect with people the way that they want to connect. And, and that's why Facebook can be really stupid in how it figures out the platform and still make a buttload of money. Because people will just use it. I mean, I still use Facebook. Even though I'm on other platforms like Gab and MeWe and Parler and others. But anyway, so I'm flipping through Facebook and Charlie Gasparino of Fox Business. He shares a tweet with that he put out on Facebook. He shared it uh, with a, a picture of someone, a friend of his, who got dinged on Facebook. And it's absurd. Why? I mean, I, I, rationally, you can figure out why, but it's really absurd. Here's what it is. He says, if you want to know why Facebook is out of control, see below. One of my best friends from high school wants to touch base and grab dinner. He he used the words hook up and got suspended. I mean, this, this is... here. Here's what it says. Hold on, I gotta... can't quite see it. There we go. So this is what he responded because they had been messaging back and forth. And he said, great, let's hook up. I'll shoot you some dates. And his friend got suspended because of saying that. This is because you previously posted something that didn't meet our community standards. This comment goes against our, our standards on adult sexual solicitation. So only you can see it. If you think we've made a mistake, you can disagree with the decision. And by the way, if you've ever had this happen, because people like me do have this happen, because I'm not afraid to post what I think, th- there, there's never a response to it. I mean, see, yeah, sometimes. I've had a couple where they did, but they do not they never get back with you. They're they're not interested in, they're interested in the freaking money. Now, I'm going to talk about this uh, 60 Minutes interview. Because I've got a lot of questions about it. And one of the assertions that uh, Frances Huygen is her name makes is that Facebook is doing certain things just because it's all about making money. There's some real presumptions that are negative. I have no problem with Facebook making a buttload of money. And I hope they or any other company would do so. And then allow me to utilize their services if I want to in the way I'd like to. And if not, then I don't want to do it. I mean, I'm I'm not for regulation on these companies. I've got a real problem with this. Because if the government's going to determine what's appropriate... Once they do that, you think it's bad now? It's going to get far worse. Far worse. And if there is regulation on Facebook, which is the whole purpose of this uh, 60 Minutes interview on Sunday, on 60, and, and this uh, outage yesterday, I believe, is a hack, and I'm going to make my case for why I think it is. Intentionally timed because there are going to be hearings this week. If we are willing to allow the federal government to regulate Facebook, Google, any of these, guess what? They're going to regulate Parler and Gab and all the others, and they're never going to be able to grow in this space. This is the standard corporatism. You think it's protecting you, and I understand why. I understand the frustration. I get it. I feel it myself. But if you let the federal government get in the middle of this you'll never be able to break away from Facebook and Twitter and any of these. They will dominate the space. They will be protected through regulation. Most regulations the vast number of regulations only accomplish one thing. And and I'm talking about the ones that exist today. They only accomplish one thing. They accomplish protecting large players in a segment of the economy against small competitors coming in and possibly overtaking them. That's it. There's no other purpose for the vast majority of regulations that are on the books right now. There are 180,000 pages in the Code of Federal Regulations We have an administrative state that that acts on its own. It acts as as the legislative branch because they put out regulations that were not specifically passed by Congress. Of course, Congress gives that authority right over to them. It acts in the administrative capacity that every administrative function does under the authority of the president, but they also act as the judicial branch. Because these agencies have their own judicial process to determine whether or not you've followed a rule. So I want you to think about this. This was absurd to the Founding Fathers. I'm going to go pick up on the Facebook thing after the bottom of the hour break. The, but this is this is absurd. This would be absurd to the Founding Fathers. They would not have any clue what kind of country this is. But the point we need to understand, the reason I'm making this clear, Point to you right now is I want you to know if we regulate Facebook and Google and Twitter through the federal government, we're giving them exactly what they want. They will never have any competition, they will not be driven out of the market. And as someone who has worked in the blockchain space, there is an answer in the market to this. And it's never too late to win these battles. Facebook has very real problems. But this Frances Hogan, Haugen, I I think it's Haugen, maybe how she pronounced it. She has taken out a huge number of documents that she's now exposing to the media. She left Facebook in May, she was in their uh, civic integrity division. Which civic, civic integrity—another word for what Facebook thinks you ought not to be doing on the internet—which is based on no objective criteria, just whatever they think it is, because obviously you're the target. But I want to play some of the audio. It's going to run through the break here as well, too, because I'm going to—I want to really flesh this out. But um, Josh, play cut one. This. So, Frances uh, Haugen, I think is how she says it. She she joined Facebook in 2019. She claims that she wanted to be in the civic integrity division because her friend was harmed by Facebook. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll get into that in a minute. Because it's not because she was physically harmed. It's just because of political disagreement. But go ahead and play cut one. I'm going to take this step-by-step step here.
1: At some point in 2021, I realized, okay, I'm going to have to do this in a systemic way, and I have to get out of it enough that no one can question that this is real.
2: She secretly copied tens of thousands of pages of Facebook internal research. She says evidence shows that the company is lying to the public about making significant progress against hate, violence, and misinformation.
0: Now, tens of thousands of documents that she took out because she... I, I should have set this up a little bit better. Because January 6th is what turned it around. This is this is the whole focus and target of the 60 Minutes uh, thing. Um, and, and the reason I didn't set this up properly is I... I should have let you know that what happened was she claims that the Civic Integrity uh, Division was shut down after the 2020 elections. Facebook said, you know, went into the 2020 elections concerned. And then January 6th happened. So I want you to know that as you're listening to this story, this is not about uh, real problems with Facebook. This is about you. This is about Donald Trump. Um, let pay, play cut three. I'm going to take these out of order. Uh, this is, this is, was her, Frances Haugen's motivation, personal motivation for wanting to be in the civic integrity division. Uh, Go ahead and play cut three.
1: Uh, The first quarter of 2019.
2: Frances Haugen told us she was recruited by Facebook in 2019. She says she agreed to take the job only if she could work against misinformation because she had lost a friend to online conspiracy theories.
1: I never wanted anyone to feel the pain that I had felt, and I had seen how... High the stakes were in terms of making sure there was high quality information on Facebook,
0: folks. I, I just let's just flush this out here. She lost a friend to conspiracy theories. What, what's behind that? How, how? What? What? What actually happened there? She never explains it. But how, how do you lose a friend to conspiracy theories? What does that mean? Well, here's what that means. And, and I challenge her to show us any different. (laughs) I wish I could do it directly and may have some time. But think about this. She lost a friend to conspiracy theorists, which means she politically disagreed with them. Just start out with that foundation and then consider this. There's no mention of BLM or Antifa in this entire story. She doesn't allude to it even a little bit. She lost a friend... to to, to disagreement on politics. And I can guarantee you that that loss was to the right, not to the left. That this is the world we live in where people feel harmed and emotionally disturbed when someone disagrees with them politically. It also shows that she, she uh, Frances Haugen is not being honest about her completely, about her reasons for going in to the civic integrity d- division. She went in because of losing a friend. So what was the motivation? The motivation was, having lost a friend to the right, to believing something that she didn't believe, she wanted to more urgently go after people on the right. That's really what's at stake here she obviously or she apparently lost this friend to Donald to the side of Donald Trump she's not going to say this directly but what else could it be what was what was the conspiracy theory and probably since she was recruited in 2019 just before we go to break here since she was recruited in 2019 it was probably the conspiracy theory or so she believed it to be of the Russia connection to Donald Trump, which we now know was no conspiracy theory at all, at least in terms of uh, opposing the idea that Trump was connected to Russia. We know the conspiracy theory was in the deep state and on the left. Those were the conspiracists. So as you're hearing this story play out, recognize this is about people wanting to more radically control you from the left. That's what's happening here. We want to take a moment here right in the middle of the podcast just to tell you how incredibly important it is that you go to www.politicsisntnice.com as you get more information about the important things we're talking about today and uh, get other insights into different information and join our email list. There's a button right at the top right-hand portion of the webpage where you can join our email list. Also, go to facebook.com forward slash against nice. Uh, Twitter handle is against nice. You can follow us on Instagram at against nice as well. And I'll parlor at against nice. Uh, all of our social media is available to you. And of course, you can follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and many other podcasting apps so that you can get the podcast immediately when it comes out. And be sure to give us a five-star rating and let people know what you think about this broadcast and the others that we have there. Again, www.politicsisntnice.com. By the way, uh, you can you hear me every Saturday From 11 to 1 here on the station. Uh, If you go to locatejim.com, you can get to my website. My against nice website. And always uh, glad to fill in for Michael. I think he does a great job and I love helping him out when he can't be here. And uh, talking today about Facebook. Facebook in a sense, is under attack. I say in a sense because I I, I don't feel real sorry for him. But what I am concerned about is the fact that the, the, the attack that's taking place is not an attempt to make Facebook a more open platform. It's far too closed as it is. The problem is that it's people who want to shut you down further. So I've been talking about a 60 Minutes report that happened on Sunday. And Frances Haugen is a former Facebook employee. Uh, She had what I estimate to be a safe space moment when a friend of hers went over to the conservative side and and it caused her great trauma she says and so she, when facebook as she, she claims that they were recruiting her to come work there she wanted to work in the civic integrity division which is in the name's an equivocation what what do you mean by civic integrity what 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 that convoluted term is meant to communicate is that we're just going to make sure that well basically build a safe space (laughs) it's just another word for build safe spaces but it's intended to give the impression that we're just going to make sure that there's no harm done to anybody when all the harm that's done through the civic integrity division is shutting down conservative speech that's where she wanted to be because her friend went over to Trump or something and now she's complaining about how Facebook does business. So here's so, so she took out tens of thousands of documents. One of the questions that I have is how long does it take to get tens of thousands of documents out? So she was hired in 2019. She got uh, concerned about things right after the November 2020 election. I'll p- play a clip that explains that in a moment. She leaves in May. So how do you literally get tens of thousands of documents without anyone internally seeing it in about a five-month period? I mean, that's tens of thousands of documents. It's a lot of stuff. Was she working during the day? Was she staying really late at night? I mean, if she's working during the day, then you'd think that they'd be tracking this. If she's staying there late at night, then that's a red flag. What are you doing there so late? Well, I don't know. People in the tech industry work all hours of the night, so maybe that's not a red flag to some. But the point I'm making is, I think this was planned. I think it was, and and maybe her recruitment at Facebook was coincidental. But I, I question that aspect of the story. I think she was trying to get into Facebook, and I think that someone put her up to it because they want to build a pretext for regulations they'd like to put on these companies. Someone has that pretext. Again, we've got the 60 Minutes interview. Facebook was down yesterday for seven hours, and these they've got the best tech people in the world. How did they miss this? And then there's going to be a hearing on Facebook this week. And, f- and t- folks, I know you're frustrated with Facebook because I really am too in many ways. But I have to tell you this, it's the most open of the platforms, the most catering to conservatives. I spent in my time on Capitol Hill, I had a connection at Facebook. This is back before all this stuff stirred up because I was there uh, on Capitol Hill from 2010 to 2018. And the, these uh, throttling down conservative discussion problems didn't exist in social media beginning in 2010. It only happened afterwards when the political threat was seen. And Facebook was actually trying to make sure everybody on both sides of the aisle were engaging clearly. That was their effort. And I think Zuckerberg, and I have no love for Mark Zuckerberg, but I really do think that he wanted an open platform and he eventually got pressured. And I think he also has some proclivities that way, too. So so all this to say, Frances Haugen, I think there's a possibility, at least I have a question whether the whole purpose of her going to work there was to shut down conservative speech because she was upset about her friend going conservative, or at least empathetic to Trump or conservatives or Republicans somehow. And that, and that, so let me play some, some clips. And, and then there was something that happened after the election that triggered her. So first of all, she talks about how the algorithm works in Facebook and the changes they made in 2018. That's cut for Josh. And we're going to play this, and she's, she's going to lay out her case for how bad she thinks the algorithm is. And, and, and this is one of those things where I think Facebook would like to have as open a platform as possible. Because they do make money, but and and it may not be altruistic, but nonetheless, it, it it this sets up, in my opinion, why she feels, from a leftist perspective, that right speech needs to be shut down, even though she'll never say it. Go ahead and play cut four.
2: Hogan told been. us the root of Facebook's problem is in a change that it made in 2018 well, to its algorithms. So the programming. So what? The root
0: to Facebook's problem. What's its problem? I mean, they're going to say it's hate speech, but what is it? It's opposing speech. It's not hate speech. But anyway, go ahead.
1: Continue playing that.
2: To its algorithms the programming that decides what you see on your Facebook newsfeed.
1: So, you know, you have your phone. You might see only 100 pieces of content if you sit and scroll off for, you know, five minutes. But Facebook has thousands of options it could show you.
2: The algorithm picks from those options based on the kind of content you've engaged with the most in the past.
1: And one of the consequences of how Facebook is picking out that content today is it is... Optimizing for content that gets engagement or reaction, but its own research is showing that content that is hateful, that is divisive, that is polarizing It's easier to inspire people to anger than it is to other emotions
2: Misinformation angry content is Enticing to people and keeps them on the platform.
1: Yes Facebook has realized that if they change the algorithm to be safer People will spend less time on the site. They'll click on less ads. They'll make less money.
0: I'm going to tell you, the definition of anger on the left is any purposeful effort by someone on the right to oppose someone on the left. That's angry. Listen, there's not one mention of BLM or Antifa in this. She's not concerned about BLM and Antifa Anchor. She doesn't express it in the least. That's what I'm telling you. This is a setup, folks. There's there's something going on here that is quite nefarious, and I believe it's a coordinated attempt to get to regulation as quickly as possible so that the other sites that are coming to uh, their maturity are beginning to get to their maturity. Rumble, uh, MeWe... Uh, Parler, Gab, all these other sites, they don't want them to get a foothold. And the and they need a pretext, Democrats, to make sure those sites don't ever get a foothold. And I, I'm going to tell you this. thats You're going to be hearing about it this week. That's what this is about. We're going to take a break. I'm going to finish up on this in the next segment. So I'm going to run through these Just to finalize this uh, discussion on Facebook. Listen, there's a setup going on, folks. It's all set up. The 60 Minutes interview on Monday. uh, I believe that Facebook going down for seven hours yesterday. I think that was a hack. I don't know where. I don't know if... if, if, It's hard for me to think that Facebook is doing this of their own accord. But I'm, I'm convinced that there are some hacktivists involved in this. And I speculate, and I don't know this for sure. I, I'm, I'm a little bit technical in this area. I'm not a, no expert technical. But this was a DNS problem, a domain name service problem. Now, it could have happened internally. It could have been a mistake and an error by their own techs. I just don't believe that. They got the best techs in the world there. They can spend whatever that money they want on the best people. And this is like their bread and butter. I just wonder if there's someone at the NSA involved with this. Because DNS level problems like this are purposefully done by say countries like China that don't want certain platforms like Facebook by the way and Google to be utilized by their people. This technology is state level technology as well too or at least state level actors Have this kind of technology. So it just makes me wonder. I could be very wrong about that. And it's highly speculative. So please don't hold me to it. I just, I have this thing in the back of my mind. Someone's doing this because someone wants regulation. And it's most likely, in my opinion, some hacktivists, maybe former Facebook employees that are ticked off and they want Facebook to more fully conform in the way that Twitter has, for example. In shutting down dissent from the right-hand side of the political aisle. So I'm, I'm just going to play two more of the cuts, Josh. I want to play cut five right now. And uh, and Francis Haugen talks about what happened with Facebook's pre-election algorithm and what they feel some of the consequences are with that. Go ahead and play cut five.
2: Haugen says Facebook understood the danger to the 2020 election, so it turned on safety systems to reduce misinformation. But many of those changes, she says, were temporary.
1: And as soon as the election was over, they turned them back off, or they changed the settings back to what they were before to prioritize growth over safety. And that really feels like a betrayal of democracy to me.
0: So, again, keep in mind, they're using the term misinformation. Misinformation. This is 60 minutes, less disinformational than other aspects of CBS, but also very disinformational in certain areas. And certainly in this story, they're hiding what the real problem is. Misinformation. Whenever you hear left-wing media say the word misinformation, they mean right-wing speech, speech to the right, speech that's not of the left. And did you hear what she said? A danger to democracy? Well, first of all, we're not a democracy, or republic, but that's a discussion for another day. We're a representative democracy. But how is right-wing information a threat to democracy? She thinks so because of her friend who went to the right and because of Donald Trump, whom she evidently hates. The anger that she's referring to is not BLM or Antifa anger. It's right-wing anger. And we know this because, in part because she talks about how it turned off after the election. Go ahead and play cut six, and let's listen to that real quick. Josh, go ahead.
1: It's one of these unfortunate consequences, right? No one at Facebook is malevolent, but the incentives are misaligned, right? Like Facebook makes more money when you consume more content. People enjoy engaging with things that elicit an emotional reaction, and the more anger that they get exposed to, the more they interact and more they consume.
0: Folks, one, that's not true. I think she's misrepresenting the research that Facebook has in, in terms of Facebook knows that this causes big problems. Well, I, 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 don't, I don't believe that, honestly. But um, and, and I don't believe that because people don't just interact with anger. Yeah, they, some do. There's no doubt about it. And we're talking about human nature here. I mean, you're not going to... You cannot restrict a platform enough to get rid of human nature. Human nature is happening. There's no stopping that. It's always going to be there. And social media doesn't weaponize human nature worse. People still do bad things. You can't... It, it, it's not worse on social media. It just seems and feels worse, Maybe. But, um, but there's, this is where I believe this next cut that I'm going to play cut seven, I think reveals what the real motivation of this is because I don't believe that it's Facebook being irresponsible. The only irresponsibility that she and others see is with allowing Trump and right-wing speech, by the way, they're, they're avoiding saying Trump in this on purpose, in my opinion, Because they they want this to seem a natural problem to everybody. They're very much restraining the word Trump in this. Because they think that they would lose the opportunity to regulate the business. And I think that that's the whole game here. And this is one evidence of it. Go ahead and play Cut 7.
2: Frances Haugen plans to testify before Congress this week. She believes the federal government should impose
1: regulations. Facebook has demonstrated they cannot act independently. Facebook over and over again has shown it chooses profit over safety. It is subsidizing, it is paying for its profits with our safety. I'm hoping that this will have had a big enough impact on the world that they get the fortitude and the motivation to actually go put those regulations into place.
0: This is also CBS's motivation. These documents have been out for a long time. OK, they, they obviously did this on their biggest program because CBS isn't watched by hardly anyone except for sports. Um, the, their biggest program. On Sunday night before hearings are happening, they, they clearly waited for that and that whatever that's their, that's their prerogative. But just recognize what's happening here. This is about regulation. They want to win regulation of this industry because they also want to regulate what you say. What they don't realize is they can get regulated the other way too. This is why I have been very much against repealing Section Two Hundred and Thirty, which is the the portion of the Communications Decency Act for, that was passed, I think, in ninety eight, that um, uh, that that gives uh, platforms. Uh, removes liability from platforms of what's said on those platforms or social media platforms in particular but any platform Google on its uh, search engine and stuff like that they're not liable for what you put on their platform and I think that that's actually useful it's why we have the ability to communicate in this way the problem that's coming about is that you've got activists within these companies that have pressured a sometimes willing, sometimes unwilling uh, leadership in these companies to go after conservatives. They're not going after BLM and Antifa. In fact, BLM and Antifa organized entirely on Twitter. No one's talking about this. If it's a problem, what happened on January 6th, then it's a problem all the riots last year that were totally organized on Twitter. They were also organized on Facebook as well, too, but mostly Twitter. So why are we not, are they going to bring that up? They're not going to talk about this. If we regulate social media, then government's going to control speech. Just look what happened yesterday with Facebook down all day. It was disruptive and frustrating for a lot of people that rely on these things for communicating with one another. So I, I strongly oppose regulation. I re- oppose the repeal of Section 230, and I think we need to allow, with whatever pains we go through, we need to allow this, these platforms to continue, because options are beginning to come, and blockchain technology is going to shut these companies down anyway. It's going to totally shut them out of the market. I'm telling you, you got to have faith in this, folks. Have faith in the free market. And don't give in to all. Jim Path filling in for Michael Hart. For the bottom of the hour break, and then we'll be right back. Make Project Veritas came up with another great report. They've got a four-part series going right now where they have ended up on the inside of some of these pharmaceutical companies. They are uh, uh they they've got uh clandestine interviews with their investigative reporters showing that these pharmaceutical companies know how bogus all of this is uh right now tens of billions of dollars are going to these companies I talked about this a bit on my weekend program. The stocks of, particularly Moderna, which went way down, and Moderna, keep in mind, is not a broad-based company. It's actually got a very limited line of pharmaceuticals. And it's highly dependent on this money. It went down by 22% on Friday after news that uh, Merck has developed a treatment for COVID. Now, keep that in mind, a treatment, not not a vaccine. And they're looking for quick approval from the FDA. Pfizer and Johnson & Johnson stocks also went down, but both of those companies have such a broad base of products, both prescription and over-the-counter products, that you know, th- th- even though the billions of dollars do mean something for them, it, 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 it's not going to harm their business. It probably harms Moderna pretty heavily if the vaccines aren't still being paid for. But all of this points to the money aspect of what's taking place. You know, uh, in the past I've been always somewhat critical of quote-unquote big pharma arguments because these are businesses they should be allowed to pursue what they're doing i have i'm not against big corporations but i have always in my adult life been against giving big corporations special benefits through government and what's taking place and by the way boy this is going to be tough for some of you to hear <laughs> Donald Trump fed this problem that I'm about to describe. Because they ran through this vaccine thing real heavy. And and I'm not a I am not one who opposes uh the lack of study that's involved here. I think the FDA process is way out of line. I'm certain there are some different types of studies that could have been done here that would have done better. And, and to be candid, I'm not convinced that we had to rush out the vaccine right away, or at least as quickly as we did. But we did that. My problem with this is the billions of dollars we gave to these companies and the immunity from prosecution for civil liability, I should say. Those are my big problems. There should be no... S- vaccines, I do not understand this, but we have traditionally, through the federal government, removed civil liability from vaccines. Why? On the pretense that this allows people to get the drugs to them, you know, and and, and for the companies to make enough money because there isn't a lot of money that's made on vaccines, uh, you know, to make sure it gets to people. Because and, and again, I've said this over and over again. I think vaccines are the greatest medical scientific advancement in human history. I I am all for that. I'm not against the mRNA process uh, conceptually, but I do have some concerns with how this is happening and there are definitely reports of long-term genetic effects and that's concerning. But I'm not against mRNA, mRNA process per se. But folks... This entire thing with the vaccines is about money for big pharma. When Merck is going to put out a treatment regimen, which the markets clearly understood means that we're going to have less need for the vaccines. But we're going to allow Merck to put out a treatment. But we already know that ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine were always a good treatment that we shut down. Why did we shut that down? This is what really angers me about the whole process. Nobody's going to make money off hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin. The National Institutes of Health has on their website a research paper which looked at studies on ivermectin and COVID and found out that it's a highly effective treatment. Not the horse paste version. the human dosage. And ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, if you took them for the purpose, for no purpose at all, I should say, at a human dosage, it would not harm you. That's how safe these drugs are. You could take it at heavy dosages and it would harm you. And so I get that. But I'm just saying, if you took it and there was no good reason to take it, but you took it at the recommended dosage, it would not be harmful to you. There are people that take hydroxychloroquine, for example, long term for lupus. They've been doing it for years. No harm to their body and a help. The reason that they went against hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin is because these pharmaceutical companies wanted to get the edge on getting the treatment. They know these treatments work. They know it. But the pharmaceutical companies want to be able to get the treatment and make the money off of it. And I have no problem with them developing it and making money off of it. I've got a problem when I've got a friend who's fa- who died, whose family were told that if they tried to bring in hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin, since the doctors were not going to prescribe it, that they w- that that's a federal offense and that they would uh, they would report them to the authorities when these doctors know that both of those are safe, the politicization of this is outrageous. So Project Veritas has found this out. Let me me just read some quotes. Uh, This one from Nick Carl, a scientist who's directly involved in the production of of, uh, Pfizer's COVID vaccine, okay? This is someone that an undercover reporter from Project Veritas spoke with. And I'll have the audio. I'm just going to read this real quick. When somebody is naturally immune, Nick Carl says like they get COVID, they probably have more antibodies against the virus. When you actually get the virus, you're going to start producing antibodies against multiple pieces of the virus. So your antibodies are probably better at that point than the COVID vaccination. I have to agree. By the way, that's the science. The reason we did vaccines ever is to try to give people an opportunity to get a jump on the herd immunity, plus before MR, the mRNA vaccine uh, phenomenon, vaccines were given of harmed viruses. In other words, they 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 build they create the virus in a culture. They let it grow in a culture, and then they either irradiate them or do some other thing to weaken the virus, so that your body's immune system can not be harmed by an active virus, but can learn how to oppose the virus with your own immune system. That's how vaccines were always done. That's why they were highly effective for so long. We know that though that your exposure as well and survival against the virus makes you highly immune. We've always known that. You do not hear anyone talking about natural immunity. And Project Veritas figured out they don't want you to know about that because it's about continuing to get the vaccine. It's a money issue. It's not for your protection, primarily, in terms of uh, uh, the fact that they want you to take the vaccine even if you've gotten the disease. The reports are rolling out. They know it internally. Project Veritas totally reveals that these pharmaceutical companies know that natural immunity is stronger than vaccine immunity. I'm not saying don't get the vaccine. Especially if you're in your 70s or above, get the vaccine. I mean, it's the best way for you to be able to protect yourself if you haven't already had the virus. But if you've had the virus... Already, there's no need to get a vaccine. The studies are making this very clear, but they don't want you to know that because these pharmaceutical companies want to continue to get paid by the federal government to give out the vaccine free. This is the scam. Go to projectveritas.com because you need to read this story. It is is outrageous. When we get back, we're going to take a break here. Tucker Carlson uh, <laughs> had a, a a great segment the other day uh, talking about how the left uh, just just the out. You think that there's misinformation coming from the right? What about the left? He exposed that in a couple areas that I want to talk about, and then I also want to hit on how the Department of Justice plans to go after you if you go after a school board we're going to hit on those two things as quickly as possible after the next break this is jim paff filling in for michael hart little uh, housekeeping item uh, joe biden thinks uh, republicans are in the way so just get out of the way get the heck out of the way i'd, I'd say the he double two picks just for effect, but you know um uh, this was a story in yesterday's news. Joe Biden's all worried because the debt ceiling might not get raised. <laughs> he says, Republicans just have to let us do our job. Just get out of the way, he said at, a white, in the, at the White House. If you don't want to help save the country, get out of the way so you don't destroy it. I, I mean, this if there's any better example of how Democrats have no clue what our country is about, what the Constitution is. That's a great example of it right there. These people, their, their brains are lost. It's absolutely outrageous. It's this kind of rancor that we're supposed to have. The Founding Fathers designed a system that is so impossible to control that no one person can get a hold of it and democrats for a century really a little more than a century i actually i'd say even a century and a half all the way back to the civil war have been in a place where they've wanted to bypass the constitution to get to what they want i'd say a century it's not as much in the Civil War. But, you know, with Woodrow Wilson and really with Teddy Roosevelt, Republicans are not innocent entirely of this, by the way. But from Woodrow Wilson on, there's been a radical attempt to change what the Constitution is. Wilson specifically wanted to bypass the Constitution. Roosevelt, Franklin Roosevelt, did bypass the Constitution, in part by threatening to stack the Supreme Court. These people are, are radical. They're the radicals. Republicans are just plain stupid. But they're not radicals. This is the great canard. This is a great lie. See, the big lie is not Donald Trump saying he lost the election. The big lie is that Republicans are radical. But see, you got to repeat that over and over again so you can get your way. I want to play these uh, three clips here real quick because I don't typically play other shows... But Tucker Carlson was kind of fleshing some of these problems out and the craziness of these hearings and the weirdness of Democrats. And one of the things he did to do this is he pointed out uh, a a hearing that was taking place on abortion recently and some of the weird, whacked-out things that were said there. Go ahead and get ready for cut eight here, Josh. Uh, Gloria Steinem was in these congressional hearings opposing the Texas abortion law. Which, frankly, is not radical. It actually, sadly, and sadly in a way, conforms closely to Roe v. Wade. See, Roe v. Wade only limited or only allowed abortions up to the first trimester. All this past the first trimester, this is all nuanced stuff that's come about since. The, the Supreme Court only said up to the first trimester. So but listen to what Gloria Steinem said had to say about the Texas law. Go ahead and play cut 8.
2: What's happening in Texas is not only a local issue or a women's issue, it's a step against democracy which allows us to control our own bodies and our own voices. Remember when Hitler was elected and he was elected, his very first official act was to padlock the family planning clinics and declare abortion a crime against the state. Mussolini did exactly the same thing because they knew that controlling reproduction and nationalizing women's bodies is the first step in a controlling state, an all-controlling state.
0: By the way, and I love Tucker Carlson's response, but, but you'll, which I'm going to play here. But what's interesting about this <laughs> is, is that the case, she doesn't realize the case she's really making is that people as bad as the Nazis and the fascists in Italy are more protective of human life than she is. But it gets even worse <laughs> because Tucker Carlson totally exposes this. Go ahead and play Cut 9
3: was that Gloria Steinem was always pretty dumb, but back when she was 35, nobody noticed. But rewriting history? Can't let you do that. Sorry, you're not Wikipedia. Actually, Adolf Hitler was an enthusiastic eugenicist, just like Margaret Sanger, who founded Planned Parenthood. He encouraged abortion, according to <laughs> almost everyone who studied this. Jeffrey Tumala, for example, a law professor has written a lot about the Nuremberg trials. Hitler, like Gloria Steinem, supported abortion. Not just as a matter of physical autonomy, but as a way to keep women working and contributing to the economy. Quote: The Nazis preferred that the Eastern European workers not become pregnant so they would not be taken out of the workforce. They took measures to identify pregnant workers and to encourage or pressure them into making use of the abortion services the Nazis provided. Oh, does that sound familiar? So once again, the goal is to reduce women to wage slaves. It is more virtuous to work at J.P. Morgan than it is to be a mother. That's what they're telling you.
0: And and this is a great point. This is the th- these people are so stupid. Gloria Steinem is really stupid. But go ahead and play cut ten because this is this is an argument that um, another I didn't get the name of the person a radical pro abort said in this same hearing. Go ahead and play cut ten.
2: I think that it's very important for us to understand the intersection of racial justice policies and gender justice policies and reproductive justice policies. Because you don't understand why these bans on abortion are not about having more black and brown babies born. They want more white babies to be born.
0: I mean, so here's what's amazing about this I mean these people are so stupid listen you talk about misinformation from the right I mean we we, we need to open up all the platforms because there's there's plenty of stupid ideas everywhere I I get that this one's the stupidest and it's actually oh, quite amazing that's actually wrong first of all Margaret Sanger was a eugenicist and she wanted to kill black babies period But what this lady didn't understand is that in New York City, the largest city in the country, abortions amongst black the black community are greater than the number of live births in the black community. If we we got rid of Roe v. Wade and states outlawed abortion, there would be more black babies, not less. This is the absurdity of these people. They are so bound up to false ideologies that they will lie and twist the truth to press their agenda. And I didn't one, didn't even get to Merrick Garland and him trying to shut down your going against school boards. Next time i mom will do it, or maybe this Saturday. com is my website. Jim Pap filling in for Michael Hart. We'll see you next time. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us today on the Against Nice podcast. Please be sure to go to our website, www.politicsisntnice.com. You can sign up for our email list there just at the top right of the webpage. And make sure to follow us on iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher or even the iHeartRadio app. And give us a five-star rating and let people know what you think about our podcast. Again, www dot not join our email list at the top right hand of the page there and follow us on itunes spotify stitcher or iheart radio thanks for joining the show today we'll be back soon